making moves where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and an energy healer. I'm joined today with Dr. Tayo. As the founder of Back to Sassy, Dr. Tayo turned her personal struggle with exhaustion, sleep challenges, and weight gain into a transformative initiative. With her unique five superpowers, natural and science-backed framework, she assists high-achieving women in midlife facing similar challenges. Her charismatic demeanor in discussing the complex subject has garnered attention from networks like ABC, CBS, and NBC. Dr. Tayo's innovative approach equips women to reignite their vitality, be fulfilled, and realize their dreams. Dr. Tayo, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. I am happy to be with you today. I am too. When did we meet, Dr. Tayo? Oh, that was um, through a friend. And I think it must have been maybe two, three months ago. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. And we vibed so much on that intro call. We're like, yes, we're going to talk all the time. And then like the holidays happen. We're like, wait a second. Yeah. We haven't talked. <laughs> yeah. Let's see yeah. you and women making moves. Dr. Tayo, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm a physician and, you know, I specialized in radiology, which I did for quite a number of years. And as I was going through menopause, that was quite a challenge because even though I'm a physician, I didn't recognize what was going on until I had my first hot flash. And it was that hot flash that went, oops, that put into perspective all the sleepless nights, all the exhaustion, all the stubborn weight gain, trying everything that and, and, and that didn't work. And it put it all into perspective. But then I now had the challenge of what to do. And at the time, that information wasn't really out there. So I spent five years of, you know, just spending money, time, atrocious amounts of, you know, just to get myself feeling back to normal again. And thankfully, I did. And I was using natural methods. And I have to mention to women out there that, yes, I did go to a doctor, even though I am one. I said, okay, let me toe the line. And it still wasn't enough. I was put on hormone treatment, but it still wasn't enough. So I had to do the research, N equals one, to find out what works, what was practical, what was science-based, and something that almost any woman can follow. There's nothing too arduous about it, but you do have to have an integrated framework, which is what a lot of people don't get. But, you know, we can talk about that later. But that's me in a nutshell. So today I'm passionate about helping women through that period of their life, midlife, perimenopause, menopause, whatever people want to call it, the hormone changes that lead to these significant challenges. And the experience that you had isn't abnormal. Oh gosh, no. Right. I say that because I think what we and correct me if I'm wrong, based on your expertise, we're wanting like a one size fits all approach to this phase of life. And for anyone who experiences menopause, and there's not one size fits all as it relates to what we experience. But also, I love what you said about integrative, because it's not, again, we don't just have a pill or something like that. No, there has to be realization that it's your hormones that are declining. I say it's going offline. It's been online through puberty up until that stage. And it decides I've done my duty. I'm heading off to the hills. And menopause is a new thing, relatively speaking, in, in the from our ancestors, because we're living longer because of all the medical, etc. advances. So it's a relatively new thing. And our bodies were meant to, as women, once we had our grandchildren, so had the first set of children, children having their children, the universe was saying, I've done my job. You can go elsewhere. Exactly. Let's put the energy into the new ones. But now we're spending the majority of our lives in between perimenopause and menopause because the average life expectancy, depending on where you are, can be up to 85. 
Now, if you start from 45 to 85, that's 40 years. If you start from 20, even make it 25, even make it 20 to 45, that is not enough. So you have much more time on the other side. And we have to be able to not only deal with it, but to thrive through it and to take advantage of the experience and knowledge we gathered at great expense to be able to move forward into that space. About 85% of women will experience significant enough challenges. And that's a hefty number of women who are left to fall through the cracks. 85%. And that's a global number? Pretty much, yes. You know, a lot of times you'll hear a negative connotation, like women are circling the drain, you know, like heading into menopause. It's like, no, I love what you said about thriving. Absolutely. It's our, it's almost a, it's, it should be a given that every person, every human being should thrive. Survival is long gone. That was for our ancestors when they were foraging for food and hunting wild animals. We're at this stage of our lives supposed to be thriving and moving beyond thriving into looking after each other. Ooh. So it's not about us. It's about others beyond our nuclear family, looking after each other as a global community. The collective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Dr. Tayo, what moves are you excited to be making right now? Oh, wow. There's an awful stat out there, which says that in next year sometime, one billion women will be in perimenopause. That's a huge number. Even if you put the world's population at 8 million, say, that's one eighth, which is what, 12 point something percent, 12.25%, which is a lot of women. And don't forget, these are actually women in perimenopause. So it doesn't include female children. It doesn't include any of those kind of people. So that's a large number. And because of the consequences of perimenopause, which leads you, predisposes you to chronic diseases, it's important not only to raise awareness, that's just one bit of the equation. The other bit is to be able to show them that they can do something about it, that life is not over. They're not drained. They're not passed by sell by date. They're not on the shelf. They're not whatever it is people want to tag them with. It's not a disease. It's a natural thing. It's not a rite of passage where you have to suck it up and, you know, feel like a dried prune. None of that is true because you can do something about it and it can be done in a natural way, an integrative way. It has to be integrative because as you mentioned, we're not all the same. Not only that, because it's a hormone, it affects every single, almost every single cell in our bodies. And that has repercussions up, down and sideways for your sleep, for your energy, for your how fit you look, for your, your memory, forgetfulness, your stress levels. It has too many repercussions for us to ignore and for us to be dealing with piecemeal. And so what are you doing about that? What are you excited about? Getting the message out there that it is rather, shall we say, sexy to pick up the low-hanging easy fruit, which is, oh, uh, you're putting on weight. Let's have a you know weight loss solution. But without taking all the other things into consideration, you end up just getting a small fraction of it. And it depends on the fraction may be so small that it rebounds on you anyway. How many people have you said, I've tried different things. I've tried strenuous diets. I've tried everything that I've been told, even the ones that are supposed to work. But because it's not taking as a whole, as a collective, it ends up failing. 
they don't know why they're failing. So that's what I'm excited about, to be able to say, listen, it's not as hard as it's made out to be, but you do have to have an integrative approach. And don't go with the people who say, you have a headache, go to see the you know neurologist. You have a gut issues, go see a gut practitioner or something. You have aches and pains, go and see an orthopedic surgeon. It doesn't work that way. You need somebody who is able to put everything together and give you a, generally speaking, holistic solution. So I imagine that you're going to be on some big stages this year. That's the proposal. And I'm also going to be having a retreat, which I'm um, still selecting the location. I had my heart set on one, but found that the distance from the airport to the retreat, like three, four hours. By that time, you know, if you came for a rest, the rest had already gone. So oh, I'm no. looking for something where women can go. They're going to get educated. They're going to get entertained. They're going to get transformed. That's the name of the game. So it's going to be a unique blend to let women know because these, you know, high achieving women don't have time and can't necessarily put down 72 or however many days aside, three days or, you know, five days aside with no work. Mm -hmm. And I'm developing a, a blueprint, which I feel will take both into consideration. So they don't stress about not catching up at work and they don't, you know, stress about not getting enough downtime. They can have both. We can have both. I'm excited to hear about the retreat and I can't wait to amplify it once you have that solidified. Thank you. I want to turn now to a recent post that you've made. It was actually today and I'm going to read the first part of it because I think it really delves nicely into what we've been talking about. So on LinkedIn, you write spotlight on health screenings, a pragmatic approach for women in midlife. For the majority of women in midlife, health becomes a central topic of their everyday lives. Health screenings, especially for perimenopausal women, depends and demands a nuanced understanding. As a physician who is involved in women's health education, there are nuances surrounding the issue. The perimenopausal phase of a woman's life brings significant changes. This period often sees the onset or acceleration of chronic conditions such as type 2 diabetes, various cancers, heart disease, stroke, and Alzheimer's. These changes are intricately linked to the decline in female hormones. Hence, regular health checks become more than just a routine. They're a necessity. However, there's a tendency to view annual health reviews in black and white. A normal result can lead to a false sense of security, perpetuating unhealthy lifestyle choices. And you go on to share more about things to consider, not just in perimenopausal, but other elements. Hmm. So Dr. Tayo, what motivated this post today? And tell us more about it. Well, um, I was having dinner with some friends over the weekend. And it was one of those things. And I get, you know, you get asked all these questions occasionally, either about what I do, about, you know, medical, whatever. And this person said, oh, you know, what do I think of annual checkups? And they were coming from the point of view of, which I felt that was my interpretation anyway, that it's been suggested to them, they want to take it, but what was my take on it? And I say, guess what? My take has to be taken with everybody's responsible for their decisions. But my take is that people view it as a black and white situation. Like if you have a clear bill of health, so-called, you can basically go back to doing whatever it is you do. You're good to go. And it doesn't take into account the myriad of presentations of disease, the differences in people, that it could be smoldering. And the literature is replete with people who go for a screening and a few weeks later, a few months later, a few whatever later, they come up with something that has gone very far because you can only look, our tests are only looking at things when they're really abnormal, just not a touch abnormal, like really abnormal. So no matter how you do it until we get to the cellular level where we can see that single cell dividing and turning rogue, 
we are not going to have an answer. And even though we see that cell that is turning rogue, is it enough to call it, say, a cancer or something abnormal? Because it could just be contained. The body is an amazing machine. It has the ability, we all have cancer cells, by the way, but it has the ability to kick it out until something happens, maybe what we do, the choices we make that allows it to multiply. So a lot of disease has an environmental factor and we are responsible for that environmental factor. What we put in our mouths, the air we breathe, the water we drink, how we move, how we use our brains, all of those factors factor into the development of disease. So what I'm trying to tell people is that just because you got a so-called clean bit of health is not a pass. You still have to be vigilant. You still have to make necessary changes because perimenopause and hormone depletion puts you in a straight line for increased chronic diseases down the road. Straight line. Okay, so there's a correlation between perimenopause, menopause, and more serious health conditions. Yeah, what they call lifestyle diseases, which is what you mentioned when you were reading the list. Because a lot, what a lot of people don't realize is that something, take something like Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, they used to think was an old person's disease. But we now know that it takes 20, 25 or longer to develop. And that develops in your youth, in, in your midlife, not youth, in your midlife. So you have people not realizing that the choices they made while they were 45, 50, 55 is affecting how they feel and um, the dementia that develops when they're 70 or even earlier. And now there's an early onset of dementia. And they've done studies. And those studies show that all things being equal, women have a twice as much predilection to Alzheimer's than men. And it's all down to hormones, which is alarming because I'd rather like to keep my brain cells. Thank you very much. <laughs> when you say it's all down to hormones, I also heard you say about the life choices midlife. How do those play together? Because even though you have the hormone changes, there's a famous saying and it says your genes, and it affects the same thing with lifestyle, your genes load the gun. It's your lifestyle that fires the bullet. So you may have genes, but the expression of the genetic code or not depends on the choices you make. So we have an amazing amount of control, not complete control, that has not happened yet, but we have an amazing amount of control about the, the development of disease. It's now called epigenetics. We have an amazing amount of control. So yes, if you're going to keep on eating sugary foods, um, you know, it doesn't matter to some extent, but it's worse if you have a family history of diabetes. There's an explosion, an epidemic of diabetes, and that's in the main due to choices of type 2 diabetes, I should say, not type 1. That's choices. And we find that there are lots of studies which show that when people are put on the right no-sugar diets, their diabetes goes down, they're off their meds, a whole lot of other things. They feel like a new person. It's a cheap way of being well and, and ensuring your longevity, like cheap, instead of all those meds, injections, you know, complications from diabetes, retinopathies, your legs got amputated, a whole lot of other things. So decrease of hormones has a straight line to some of these lifestyle diseases. Correlation, yes. You, excuse me, correlation. You're also saying that it's not, sometimes not enough just to take hormone replacement therapy, things like that. What, no, um, what are the options? Yes, it's, it's down to, I am a firm, even though I said natural, I am taking over from hormone replacement. I still believe that for women who are experiencing severe symptoms, hormone treatment 
Not replacement, all you want to do is give them enough hormones for them to function, is vital. It's like having a painkiller, a really bad headache, and you take the correct dose of the painkiller so that later on you can do other things, whether it's hydrate, whether it's, you know, eat something special or something that will take you beyond and get you to where you need to go. But in order to knock it on the head and to keep it in control someone, you take that headache pill. That's what hormone treatment is. So you take it because you need it because you're climbing the walls, you can't sleep, you, all kinds of things are happening to you, mood outbursts, etc. So you take it so that you can get over that critical phase to get back to be able to make some decisions and get those lifestyle things in order. So I firmly believe that you have to take both of them in tandem. And you start with the hormone replacement, but as soon as you get the hormone replacement in the correct dose, not in low, too lower dose, that doesn't make a difference and it makes life even worse. In the correct dose, and you go and see your gynecologist for that, and preferably a female gynecologist, I have a very, very strong preference and advice for people to choose female gynecologists and preferably one who has probably gone through menopause themselves. Just very few people understand it until they experience it. Very few. Let's go there. Why do you recommend a female gynecologist? Oh boy, I see all this. Um... <laughs> I want to open a can of worms there, Amy. Yes, let's open it. Let's open uh, it. For the longest time, as you know, the patriarchy is making decisions about women, bo women's bodies, telling you what to do, telling that you have to suck it up, telling you it's a natural rite of passage and, you know, wh what's the matter with you? Is it you were the problem? And it's not a hormone, which is not a disease. And they would go. Several women have been to their doctors and been told, no, we're not prescribing it. No, you're too young. No, you're normal. No, you're, you're, you're being a suck and prescribing anti-anxiety pills as if they're... I once found... This is the first time I had it years ago. And they said, oh, she's wound tight. How insulting. She has these changes because her physiology has changed. And they say, she's, it, it's an insult. Yeah. And we need to get away from people who do that. And listen, there are enough female gynecologists who know what they're talking about to go to. Go to one who has a bit more empathy and doesn't look at you as another number. Because at this point in your life, you need somebody who's on your side. Mm -hmm. And women tend to be on your side in those matters. And I have always firmly believed, and even when I was practicing radiology, when we were doing female-related examinations, I believed in the right of the patient to ask for a female. And I would always volunteer because men don't allow and don't want female examining them privately if they can help it. Why should we allow it? I have two personal examples, if you don't mind me sharing with you. Please do. So one of the things that I'm getting ready to go see a dermatologist about is I have seemingly chronic cellulitis. And the first time it happened was in October last year. And then I actually just had it two weeks ago again. The first time I had it was in my groin, the top of my, not vagina, top of my vulva. So it's like the skin on top. Well, just by sheer placement of where my cellulitis was, it threw everybody into a tailspin. Everybody, meaning there was a team of male doctors only because it was a, in a situation where it had gotten pretty bad. So I needed to go to the ER. Well, the team of male doctors were like, we need a gynecologist here. I'm like, it has nothing to do with my gynecology, but where it was, it was like mass chaos. And then mm -hmm. beyond that, there were things they would just do. For instance, one of the doctors stuck a four inch needle directly into my cellulitis abscess oh. without numbing, without anything, without telling me actually to just stuck it. And, and so 
that was an example where for me in that moment and that experience, I really learned a lot about patient advocacy. I can say no. I can tell them I want someone else. Dr. Tayo, I didn't know that heading into that experience. I do now, especially in those moments if I have a skin-related issue, but it's in my groin. I, I want women who are like, oh, that's not her vagina. That's her mm-hmm. that's skin mm-hmm. in her groin. You know, yeah. That's one example. And then the other example I'd give you is that due to my most recent stint with cellulitis, my primary care physician, who is a woman, I'm on really, really strong antibiotics, as you can imagine, for the cellulitis. And so I went to see my primary care physician and she was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and prescribe you a yeast infection, antibiotic. She was like, it's it's inevitable. And, and we started to talk about like that prickly sensation, you know, the moment you get a yeast infection. And so it was kind of cool how she was proactively, again, she just knows. And I'm not hmm. faulting a man for not knowing that kind of information. It's like, if you don't have a vagina and you know what it can, although I would hope a doctor by taking antibiotics that clears out your good and bad bacteria, of course, but it was cool. And I felt reassured and I felt like she had my back in those moments because I hadn't even thought about it. I was like, oh, good point. Yeah. I'll probably get a yeast infection. It's take off antibiotics. And it was just like a, those two experiences really resonated with me and made me think of them as you said that. And I'm again, not faulting male doctors, but it's just like that. It's that comfort and knowledge of my body that I know that woman knows about. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think we need to empower women to understand, as you say, that you have a choice. Most patients don't feel that they have a choice because Mm -mm. when they ask for somebody else, the doctors usually take it badly. Mm -hmm. And basically try and say, oh, guess what? You, I know better than you. I'm, I've trained in this. And it's like throwing your toys out of the pram. <laughs> As a friend would describe, who are you to, to want somebody else? Are you trying to tell me I don't know what I do? It's empowerment. It's knowledge of your own body. It's knowing what you know and, and, and knowing what is good for you. Yeah. And you have an innate knowing which somebody else cannot tell you. And trusting trusting that instinct, that intuition when something doesn't feel right. And that's... That's something I want to make sure everyone knows. For me, what I experienced, I was I was in the hospital in October for a week. I felt very vulnerable. I felt very weak. I felt very sick. And so the advocacy part for myself, I wasn't feeling empowered because I was feeling just, I, I was feeling so ill that I didn't realize that I could ask for a different doctor. I didn't realize I could say no. I didn't realize I could say just because the doctor puts something in doesn't mean I have to take it. One thing I will share there is that in doing so, he violated something called informed consent. I had no idea. When they do something to you, like a needle, etc., that is not a regular IV or something like that, you need to, they need to tell you the consequences of doing that. And it, Okay, I'm going to stick a needle into here, but this is the point of doing it, and maybe ask you, if it's, would you, not necessarily would you like it, but if you hear of it, you'll probably say, oh, can I have numbing? You're perfectly within your rights to do so. But informed consent to say, oh, guess what? I'm going to stick a needle in there and this is the reason I'm doing so. And it's called informed consent. It felt invasive and I'm borderline violated. You know, I was, because I was, yes. again, I was in so much pain. I was yes. so sick and yes. this man just did something, you know, and of course no one was in the room with me. My nurse came in and she kind of raised help. God, no, 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 no. He violated so many things because every female, especially when you have, you're with a female, especially when it's to do with your, uh, you know, intimate 
parts should have a chaperone. It's practically a given. I know that now. And I'm an educated woman and I didn't know that. And I'm not suggesting that it takes a certain level of education, but to your point about the moves that you're making is like the education, the awareness, just like our rights. I did not. And the, to your point, my nurse raised hell when she got in and she found out what had happened. Ooh, she got hot. She got hot fast. Suddenly, and then my, my husband came in the room and he was like, what just happened? And it was just like this whole thing. Anyway, so. Okay. It's I feel seen by combat. you. I, yeah, I feel seen. And I'm also feeing a little bit like traumatized again. Yes. No, the intention is not to trigger you. No, 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 you're not. You're not triggering me. He did. But I appreciate you supporting and validating the right. So as humans, we get the right the patient advocacy is something that, again, I never knew about. I never knew I could say no because mm. I was the patient and they're the doctor. Yes. And that has to be, if you have a responsible doctor and the nurse was, you know, because you could get into real trouble, like a real major trouble, real major trouble. Because if you made that complaint, he is going to be in deep doo-doos to say, you should never have done that. I I did. I don't know what happened to him, but like we did raise it. My nurse. Yeah. Good. He will never do that again. And that's sometimes the reason I go through, it doesn't matter what it is, but if it's something that is fundamentally, I feel is fundamentally wrong. The reason I go through it, even though it is effort, is so that it gets imprinted on this person's brain that you will never do that again. So it is worth the effort because what you have done, Amy, is to help another woman not go through the same experience. Mm. Thank you for validating me. Thank you. Please. <laughs> ah. So Dr. Tayo, at this point, what would you say with your work and advocacy toward empowerment, acknowledging, having your retreat, getting on main stages, what would you say to people, anyone that mm. both understands what you're trying to convey mm. and also those who don't get it or might mm. disagree with an element of what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Disagree. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. <laughs> really. And I would invite them to look at the results and the complexities of maybe their various approaches compared to mine, which essentially is far more female friendly. It's science backed. So it's not just out of the ether. It's science backed. It's integrative. It's treating you as a whole human body, body, mind, and spirit. It's not just body. It's mind and spirit. So you have the component for your mental health. You have stress reduction because they all feed into it. Your stress hormones, just by virtue of your, your estrogen going off, your cortisol levels increase. We know what that does. It affects you. You put on weight in 10 places you don't want. All those love handles suddenly become non-love handles. Um, you know, they explode. You end up with mood swings. You end up with not sleeping well. So it affects every area of your life. So there has to be an integrated approach to it, apart from just taking this approach and having, but so just going with nutrition, you have increased cravings, by the way, with increased cortisol. So just, so you see how it fits into almost every area of our lives, be it mental, be it uh, social, be it, you know, physical, be it spiritual, it all fits together because you don't have the time. You can't think, you don't have the time to ground yourself, nothing because you're, you, you, you're, you're, <laughs> tightly wound. <laughs> so there you go. So that's what I'm focusing on to let people know that they shouldn't go for easy 
sexy looking solutions because that is almost never the complete answer. If they go through a nice program which is customized to them, customization, we're not all the same. We all differ. For an instance, fat. Women of color, particularly black, have an earlier start to menopause or perimenopause. So there are variations that get taken into consideration in what you recommend and what they do. And some people, the majority of what they need is some solution to their sleep. Another lot need more to do with uh, maybe nutrition or movement. The proportion varies, but it is taking it as a whole that allows you to give a solution which is practically 100%, even though, even though, here's what I'm talking about, Amy, you might have only tweaked, and I said you have five parts, you might only tweak 50% in one, 20% in another, 60% in one, 35%, but you don't have to fell all the trees in a forest to find a path but you do have to fell significant trees. And once you do that, you actually have cleared the majority of that path to go forward. And that's what my approach is about. I'm saying you have to put everything together, integrated. I, do you know what I wish that would happen is each year when I get my mammogram and my, my pap and my physical my like my just regular primary physical I kind of wish we would have like a conference call with my gynecologist the the mammogram person and my primary physician I almost want like a a team call like team approach what does the health of Amy look like you know yes and that's a brilliant idea but even concierge services don't have something like that it listen you must have read it somewhere but Oprah did not realize she was in menopause, even though she had been, she was having palpitations and she'd been through all the doctors and they'd done all the tests Why they were only looking at the palpitations. They weren't looking at Oprah. Mm-hmm. And it took her seeing a book on a table to figure out that this is what is happening. And once that was figured out and she started on hormone treatment to take her out of those palpitations, because that's pretty severe, but she had gone through a battery of tests for like about three years. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? No. So, the knowledge, these are specialists, super specialists, the best money can buy, supposedly. See, yeah. and that's exactly right. What if there was something, like, again, I'm, I'm thinking about that conference call. One of the doctors says, and, and it piques the antenna of another, that could be connected or that could be, wow, it's kind of amazing. And then don't even get me started on bringing in the psychiatrist of like some of the meds, you know, to figure out what it might be doing to other parts of my body, all of that kind of stuff. Like the integrative approach, I really, really dig what you're talking about because like it's, it's in the body of Amy. It's not just like parts and this and that. And, and to your point, my primary care physician, this is why, you know, cellulitis, it's like, why does this keep coming up? You know, and, and it's, it's going to not just the skin part of it. We're going into like deeper elements now and being like, okay, what do we do now? And like, we're all going to talk as a team, the team of Amy. Well, How cool to yeah, be supported like that. That should be the job, but unfortunately they're too busy. That should be the job of your primary care physician to collate everything and say, oh, guess what? And maybe not have a conference call per se, but say, <laughs> hey, doc, this is happening you know, give me an opinion, you know, don't just send me test results or, you know, order test, etc. And I hate the word order. It's request tests. Just request tests and provide an answer. Can we have something that ties it all together? And that, But listen, some of them have only like about five minutes and three of them are spent writing, writing down something because if they don't, they don't get paid. So it's it's not what it used to be. And that is where some concierge services are coming up. But 
your suggestion is such an amazing one. I think anybody who was a real patient-focused concierge service will take it up and run with it because there will be a lot of people who will take it up. Maybe Dr. Tayo will recreate that. <laughs> I, I don't practice. What I am is actually these days an educator. I am not a practicing physician. But um, if you started a company that created that for patients, can you imagine? Amy, <laughs> I'll get you to kind of like do all the marketing. I think you'll be good at it. I would love to. I would love to do that with you. Can you imagine how many women would... It'd be like, yes, please. Now, you know, yes. Oprah could be the sponsor. It's cool. All right. Dr. Tayo, where can we find you? Oh, um, the best place to find me is my email, which is quite easy. It's Dr. Tayo, D-R-T-A-Y-O at say the whole thing, then spell it. Get your sassy back.com. G-E-T-Y-O-U-R-S-A-S-S-Y-B-A-C-K.com. And once you write into me, I have this amazing starter midlife success toolkit that I will send to you as soon as possible. And it's practical. It's something you can start using today. And parts of it, I assure you, I have got rave reviews of what it will that, do for you. Is that free? Yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh. Yes. Free? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Free, free, free. Okay. Okay. Well, we can't wait to send everybody to you to get, get the toolkit. Yes. Closing remarks as we start to wind down. Hmm. There is nothing to fear. This is entirely natural. Don't let anybody let you think otherwise. If you think there's something wrong, keep on going until you find an answer. Keep on going. And it's one of the things I say. So one person says this one, and you don't think that's right, and they're giving you something that doesn't jive with you, keep on looking. We know our bodies better than anybody else. And unfortunately, the situation is such that they just want to get you out. They want to write your prescription or just boot you out of their offices. They don't have enough of an understanding, not even of hormone treatment for most people. And you need to be your own advocate and say, guess what? I am not satisfied with this answer. It's not getting me better. I am not feeling okay. I need someone to give me answers. Don't sit there and take it. Thank you, Dr. Tayo.